Hi, everybody. Welcome to the February 22nd, 2019 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on U.S. Senator Michael Bennett touring Iowa this week, fueling speculation that he will join the ever-growing crowd running for president, and specifically the Democratic nomination for president. Patty Calhoun from Westward. Back in the governor's campaign, we teased uh, both parties of having a clown car for their nominees, or at least their candidates. It feels now that the Democrats for president have a clown school bus. It's enormous. Your thoughts on Michael Bennett dipping his toe into the water? Well, Iowa's a lovely state, but no one goes there in February for a vacation. So uh, clearly, Michael Bennett is looking into this. He, the rumor broke back in December that he was considering it. You could tell he was seriously considering it when he took up after Ted Cruz on the Senate floor. He has since gotten a really unusual shout-out from uh, Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe last week in a Washington Post column. So he's coming on kind of quietly but strong. People seem to like him out there. Krista Kafer, uh, we have a, is your, you're a columnist for the Denver Post. You're a talk show host for KHOW. You teach at uh, was it Metro or uh, uh, UCD? We just uh, see Denver this the, semester. The, the, the Jane of all trades joins us in the <laughs> panel. Uh, Krista, Michael Bennett on paper, and I think with a lot of his actions, is a really strong moderate, has a good record with that. He enters a situation where Bernie Sanders raised $6 million almost overnight when he announced his run. Is there a place for a moderate like Michael Bennett in the school bus that is the candidates for Democratic candidate? You know, we all know that when you get a ton of contenders, that the best, most able, and most knowledgeable, sanest person comes out of that, that clown car, right? That happened last election. I jest, of course, but uh, I would love to see somebody like a Michael Bennett or John Hickenlooper, moderate voices that, that really better match the temperament of this country. I don't think anybody, very few people in this country want to go the way of socialist. Uh, most people in this country, when they read the details of the, of the Green New Deal, say, hey, I, I kind of want to keep eating meat. I, I still want to drive my car. I don't want this. If I wanted this, I would, I would move to Cuba. And so we need voices that come along inside and, and bring a, a saner version of the Democratic Party. And that saner version could win. Natasha Gardner, Articles Editor of 5280. Uh, Natasha, Michael Bennett has been underestimated before. Uh, he was a guy without a lot of political experience and essentially kind of tapped out of nowhere by, I guess, then Governor Bill Ritter uh, to uh, become a senator. And he is still now our senior senator representing Colorado. Is he being underestimated this time? I think so. I mean, I think there are people who are still surprised by the sort of traction he's gotten from the crocodile tear speech. Um, I think there's some, many of the people who are on that clown bus who wish they had given the tear speech. <laughs> um, one thing, the Post, when they were reporting um, in, in their report yesterday, they had a quote from him that says, we don't settle for disgraceful politics. I thought the wording on that was very interesting because I think it's going to speak to this moment that we are in politically. But of course, he doesn't stop there. He then goes on to name Trump and to call out the Freedom Caucus. So if anyone's worried about, you know, him being sort of the quiet guy around town, I don't think that's what we're going to see on the campaign trail if he decides to, to officially launch a campaign. Scott Wasserman, president for the Bell Policy Center, rounds up the panel. Scott, do you think uh, we're going to have two uh, moderate politicians from Colorado running for president this year? So I, I think we might actually be surprised by Senator Bennett and, and where he is on some of the issues. I've recently been really 
uh, pleasantly surprised to find Senator Bennett really interested in the topic of income inequality. Um, I've had a chance to talk with him a little bit about some of the work our own organization has done about inequality, the issues facing the middle class. And so I think if Michael Bennett can can shift to the issue of income inequality and surprise people as some, you know, somebody who everybody was expecting uh, smooth jazz, but instead they're going to get a little bit of rock and roll. Um, I think he can actually shake up this race. And so I'm really interested to see how he talks about the issues that, that many people care about, which is income inequality uh, and some of the economic issues facing the country. It should be fun to watch. A safe injection site bill will not be voted on by the Colorado legislature this year after Democratic Senator Brittany Pedersen pulled the bill. The bill would have allowed for the nation's first safe injection site program where people could inject drugs recreationally under the supervision of medical practitioners. Patty, did uh, our friends at this table, uh, Stephen Tubbs and Peter Boyles, help uh, make this bill get pulled at the legislature level? They certainly made it a lot of noise that I think many many politicians didn't want to hear. So the person who has to be the most relieved right now is Mayor Michael Hancock because he had initially come out when the city council voted 12 to 1 in favor of the safe site, initially said he would support their decision. Then you start hearing there are problems with the idea um, and the city council thought it would have some protection because it couldn't go through without the state legislature approving this. But certainly Brittany Peterson and Leslie Harrod, they had made a plan. They had, they were really pushing for it. And Brittany Peterson has exactly the best explanation possible. I mean, she has her mother who's had these issues. We talked to two, two mothers who lost their sons to drug overdoses and said, you know, we've studied it. This isn't a pleasant idea, but it's one that could work. But with all the noise coming out of Denver and around the state, the legislature just, Pedersen just decided this is not the year for it. There's too much noise. There's not enough research. We're not going to have the support. And you have to think that Hancock especially is breathing a sigh of relief because he's got an election coming up in less than three months. And this was not going to be an easy issue for him to deal with if the state had passed the legislation that enabled Denver to open what city council had approved. Chris, are you surprised the bill wasn't even inter- well wasn't at least brought to debate? Because even though there's a lot of debate in the public uh, sector side, there's a you know, radio talk show hosts or a newspaper, everything else like that, uh, we didn't see it on the on the at the legislature level. Were you surprised it didn't get there? No, I'm not actually that surprised because I think the debate outside the legislature was was pretty firmly settled. This is a bad idea. It's it's very well intentioned, and you think, oh yeah, these folks will come in, they'll get clean needles. If they if they overdose, they'll get Narcan. They'll then they'll want to get help, and then they'll seek treatment. When in fact, you end up normalizing addiction. You end up with a, a greater number of people coming into this country, into this state, to 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 do heroin, to do these drugs. Um, you may end up with a higher fatality rate outside of these centers. Um, and so it's just, it's a bad idea. I think we need to get folks into treatment. Also recognize that some people will go into treatment and will continue to do drug use. It's, it's a terrible thing, but people have free will and make choices. Natasha, clearly it was not going to be a slam dunk, even if it did get uh, uh, introduced. But can conservatives or Republicans claim this as a win in a year where Democrats are running everything? I think so. I mean, I think as early as election night, the big question was, what were the topics where Republicans would be able to fight back, pull back a little bit of power and and maybe push the agenda in one direction or another? I think they they proved with this particular issue that this is something that they could do it on. Um, So and I think that 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 was a success. 
and they'll, they'll probably claim that as well. I mean, obviously, the problem is we are still in a crisis. And, and I, I think that word is so overused these days. But for this, this particular public health crisis, it's important. I mean, we're losing 130 people a day across this country. This is a major billions of dollars economic impact on this country. So thinking outside of the box is something that has to happen. Because if we wait 10 years, 15 years for, for you know, the perfect policy to develop, we're not going to get to solutions. So I, I do have to give um, the state legislators and, and city council and various other people a lot of credit for taking a hard topic and thinking about, okay, what could we do to actually change this? Because if, for any of the families that are losing people today, this isn't something that we can solve five years down the road. Scott, it seemed that not only was it a controversial idea, but there was this reticence of Colorado leading the way. We were going to be the first state in the union. Is it something that you think this was just a, a little too early to try something like this without any other places except for possibly Vancouver to look at as possible models? Well, I, th- I mean, I think it's just a great example of, 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 a, pol- of a sound policy that makes a lot of sense uh, that people have a visceral reaction to. And if we let the visceral reaction that people have um, on this issue, cloud over the science and the research and 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 the and the reasonability behind the proposal, then we miss out, and um, we do have a crisis on our hands. And I think um, we have a situation on our hands where the the main Denver Public Library has to keep Narcan on stock because people are choosing to inject uh, in their bathrooms, and they're actually on the front lines of this crisis. Why don't we take drug addiction out of the shadows? Why don't we make sure that we can uh, work with people in a more normalized atmosphere as opposed to marginalizing it and um, you know, just having crisis after crisis uh, in the shadows in our communities? So to me, it's a great shame. I think we could have had a really reasoned public policy discussion, and instead uh, we allowed you know, the yuck factor and the demonization Uh, to cloud over the very real reasons to pursue this. An independent inquiry will be conducted in Colorado regarding sexual abuse allegations reported by multiple victims within the Catholic Church. The three Catholic dioceses in Colorado will voluntarily participate, and former U.S. Attorney Bob Troyer is set to create a public report in which he will review how the Church has responded to previous allegations. Krista, do you see this as a positive step for the Catholic Church in Colorado to make amidst uh, a lot of different these these kinds of issues happening across the country of doing, I guess, it it seems to me it's very best to try to open the records and make it an independent inquiry, not just ran by the church. I think it's a great idea. I mean, Sunshine is the greatest disinfectant. We have a Christian institution that has had some evil people lurking within it. You also have some cowardly people who enabled these evil people to attack uh, children, um, to abuse children, that needs to be brought out into light. And those people need to be uh, arrested in some cases, defrocked, heck, excommunicated. I mean, they can find their forgiveness from, from, from God himself, but they should do it from a jail cell. And um, the Catholic Church is a great institution, a great Christian institution around the world. Um, let's help them do what they need to do to, to, to get their house cleaned up and to set a new day. Natasha, this seems like a pretty big deal, and it didn't just happen under Phil Weiser. While we did get it uh, announced with Phil Weiser, I don't want to rob any credit from him, but Cynthia Kaufman started this, uh, at least the discussions, uh, back when the Pennsylvania cases broke open. Uh, Help us gauge how big of a deal this is for us to see this as front-page news in Colorado this week. 
It has to be front page news. I mean, there's uh, the, the number of victims. Certainly, we don't know what that is. But if we're looking, Pennsylvania was um, a thousand kids over over seven decades. So if that's any indication of how widespread this abuse could have been on other parts of the country, we're talking about a lot of people who have been victimized. So, yes, it should be front page news. Um, as you point out, attorney, um, former attorney general um, uh, Cynthia Kaufman was a big part of putting this together. I think if you look at the details of what the plan they put together, it was pretty careful thought through. I'm sure people might have things they would tweak here or there, different ways they'd want it to be handled. But this is not something that we, we saw a headline and we the next day filed a press release and said that this is how we're going to do it. There was some pretty careful consideration that, that went into that. Um, and, and, you know, I just have to say kudos, you know, so obviously there's the news this week, there's the work that, Sin, uh, uh, that Kaufman did on it as well, but kudos to the victims' advocates over the years and the victims who have come forward. This is not a new news story. This is not even a five years news story. This is a very long time coming. So um, just to give them some credit for, for being persistent and making sure that this became front page news now. Scott, it felt like the plan, as Natasha said, was was thought out well. You have uh, a former U.S. attorney involved. It's going to be a public report. Even a reparations committee that's been uh, created is going to be led by former U.S. Senator Hank Brown. Uh, though that's, there's, there was no lightweights mentioned in any of that part. So it, it, it feels like it's being built the right way. But what do you think? I can't believe we're still talking about this. When I first moved to Colorado in 2000 and worked as a lowly press staffer, I remember uh, legislators trying to move legislation to give uh, rights uh, to, to, to victims of, of sex abuse in the Catholic Church. And I remember uh, fierce resistance coming from the archdiocese at that time. Um, and I just think it's amazing to me how slowly the Catholic Church as an institution has moved on this. Just today, I heard that the Pope uh, released what I guess is like an ecclesiastical personnel handbook on the issue. And so I think that it, it absolutely makes sense for secular state authorities to move in and to try to help facilitate this. And for me, it's, it just means so much that, that, that folks within the church are actually willing to partner with the state and do this in a reasonable, facilitated way. But it's shocking to me that we've been talking about this for as long as we have and that there are new revelations every day that come out across the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty, so that makes a good point about this being an issue we've talked about. I, I think you referenced the Pennsylvania point, you know, for many, many decades, if not seven decades, if at least a long time in Colorado. What do you make of this handling of the situation that we've seen so far over all the different uh, controversies and ways they've, the, the issues try to have been handled over the years? Well, to use a cliche, better late than never, it is appalling that it is 20 years since the big revelations first broke in Boston, and we are still coming to grips with it. It's also true that even from from outside, you still had to have some cooperation from within the Catholic Church to be able to do the kind of investigation that really needs to be done. So kudos to the people who worked long and hard on this and pulled together a plan that ultimately will see real truth emerging, and also to the victim advocates. I mean, how hard was it for people to first come forward and they weren't believed at all, if they were brave enough to come forward, because they were talking about religious figures? And it's just horrifying. And maybe we'll see some end in closure, and good luck for the victims. The Colorado House passed a bill that would sign Colorado onto the national popular vote interstate compact. If Governor Polis signs the bill, which is now headed to his desk, the state would pledge Colorado's electoral votes to whichever candidate wins the popular vote in a presidential election. 
Natasha, some people are looking at this that, oh, well, my vote won't count. Uh, I, I understand that point. Uh, but this is seems like a way around the whole electoral college. Uh, but it's also something that was been, you know, the, the framers put in the Constitution. Is it, what do you think about this idea of trying to get around something that uh, has been part of how we've elected our leaders now at least 45 different times in our history? Well, do you remember 1999 when, when people had kind of forgotten what the Electoral College was? <laughs> um, that, of course, changed in 2000. And, and that's what some of these efforts date back to. This, and, and as you laid out, it's this question of what is what is Electoral College mean in today's political climate and do we still want it? Um, I think there's some hearty debate that needs to be had about it. And we've been having that hearty debate for, you know, nearly two decades now. Um, what what I think is interesting is it would, would tie it in, but it is only activated if more states join in. So if Colorado decides to do this now, then it would be something that is only activated if other states get on board with it as well. So that would have to get up to 270. If we joined, it would be about 179 um, right now. What I think was interesting is there were some, some I think, both joking and serious attempts to rename this this bill, various things. But it, what it really means is it, like get rid of the Electoral College. Now, I do think if this passes and if it goes to um, Polis's desks and he signs it in, there's a ready some rumbling that there will be efforts to put it on a statewide ballot. I would not vote against that. I, I, I bet that if, if I was placing a bet, I would guess that is going to you be on the ballot. You would not bet against that. You're not saying how you would vote. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm not, not saying how I would okay. vote. But I would say that it does end up on the ballot because I think that this is something that Coloradans are going to want to discuss um, in, in, at great length. So we'll have plenty of time at this table to do just that. Scott, both parties have seen the Electoral College uh, rob what would have been a victory in their eyes uh, and uh, give it to the other guy. Uh, or the, uh, yes, in this case, it's always been to the other guy. Uh, but is it time uh, for states to be rebelling against the Electoral College, or does this, this seem just because if one party is against it right now, it could be a system that that party might actually want a few years down the road. What do you think about this whole maneuver? Sure. So I think this 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 is often talked about in the context of, of recent elections and electoral politics. And I was thinking about um, so recently uh, a gentleman by the name of Nick Hanauer, who is a pretty active um, uh, policy advocate uh, around income inequality issues out in Washington State, wrote a great piece about redefining centrism, and he talks about redefining centrism as not the middle point between what the powerful elite and everybody else wants, but rather the middle point between what the majority of the the majority of people in the country are dealing with. And somehow, one way or another, we have got to start grappling with the issues that are affecting the majority of Americans, many of whom live in dense population centers uh, in states in states like ours. And so I think I think there's a new conversation that's emerging about what our politics should look like and how do we define centrism. And maybe centrism isn't just, you know, the the relationship between the powerful elite who tend to control the electoral college and everybody else, which was reflected in the popular vote. And maybe the dynamics in this country have changed to the point where we need to redefine what the center point is. And that means acknowledging that the majority of people are dealing with issues that don't seem to be getting dealt with by the powerful elite in Washington. So I think that's one perspective on, on this issue. Patty, the Littoral College conversations uh, as a political junkie are always very interesting to me. Uh, it's one of these things where you look through the history of presidential elections, the, all the states have gone all different ways. It's not as if there's just, right now it seems like in our very recent history, 
California always goes blue or Texas is always red. It's not always the case you look throughout history, and that's why the Electoral College is still making states like Michigan or Wisconsin uh, still relevant in, a, in an election. Is it time to throw out the Electoral College, or is it just a, an immediate feeling about not getting what I wanted, and so let's just change the system? It is time to have a discussion of the Electoral College. You might be very interested in it, but I think if you go into the average bar in Denver, Colorado, no one is talking about the Electoral College. No one even remembers what it is. They think maybe they graduated from it, but they don't know. So we need to have that kind of conversation because our founding fathers were very smart in many ways, but they did not envision the the Colorado we have today, the 50 states we have today, and and the elections we've been having lately, too. So I think if, um, if you're right and Polis is signing this and it goes to a ballot, we will finally actually have a discussion on the Electoral College, and we'll see where Colorado feels it really wants to go on it. Chris, is it time for a longer discussion about the Electoral College? I think we need to end the discussion with the word no. Um, we've got the Electoral College. Right now, if this bill is signed and that compact goes into effect, we will have effectively outsourced the Colorado vote, the right to vote for president, to California, Illinois, and New York. And I, I've, I've looked back at the records. There have been times where Colorado has gone for a different candidate than what the popular vote chose. We would be basically giving away our right to do that and giving our votes to the rest of the nation. And I can think of a scenario where you have, say, Senator Bennett runs, maybe Howard Schultz, Howard Schultz and President Trump. In that three-way race, three-way race, harder to say than you think, um, let's say Trump gets the popular vote, the state of Colorado goes for Bennett, our votes then automatically ceded to that popular vote. That's not fair. That's not fair to the state. It's not fair to the voters of the state. This is a bad idea. If it runs, it needs to be knocked down either by a lawsuit um, or it needs to be done away with in a ballot proposal. Well, we were chatting this week, so let's get to our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. I'm going to go a decade-long disgrace. Next week, we're going to mark the 10th anniversary of the Rocky Mountain News mm. shutting down. We have to remember what we used to have in this state, what a robust journalistic group we had. We, the number of daily reporters now is maybe a, a sixth, if you're lucky, what it was at that time. And it was just the most cynical shutdown by Scripps Howard just giving it up. And let's not forget the position the Denver Post is in. It's not like it, it won the JOA fight and the newspaper war, but what do we have at the Denver Post now? We have owners who care so little about journalism and credit to everyone who's still at the Post for everything they're doing, and to Chuck Schumer, who sent a letter to Alden Global saying, what you are doing to journalism, and they're trying to take over Gannett, what you are doing is appalling. So good, good for everyone who is still putting up the good fight, but we have lost a lot over the last 10 years. It seems that if, at the very least, the, the, the loss of the Rocky can stop us something of Alden Capital getting Gannett, that, that mm-hmm. would be a good thing. Krista? You know, I, I want to say shame on the, the Democrats in the General Assembly. I think when the Democrats took over, the voters were saying, we want a pushback against the obnoxiousness of President Trump, and we want you to fix our roads. And instead, we've gotten all of these uh, controversial social issues types bills where the, the legislature wants to impose itself on therapists, teachers, schools, parents. They want to take away our vote for president. I don't think people signed up on that when they pulled the crank, uh, pulled the lever, if you will, for, for Democrats. So shame on them. I would like for them to be the moderate centrists they pretended to be during the election. 
Natasha? Um, I would say Roger Stone's Instagram account. Just stick to cat photos. <laughs> <laughs> stick to cat photos. Sound Instagram advice, Natasha. Well done. Scott? So I would like to talk about the Republicans in the State General Assembly. Um, no, I, I think the rhetoric has gotten so out of control on issues like the sex education bill, on the red flag bill. The red flag bill um, is a great example of the kind of law that you thought was in effect and then were shocked to realize that it wasn't. To allow people uh, who family members or friends have concerns about their mental health to be able to get uh, weapons out of their hands. And the kind of rhetoric, the kind of messaging that we're seeing is too extreme. Um, and, and, and we're seeing messaging that didn't work in the general election now being thrown around in the middle of legislative session. Uh, and this is how we get to the extreme politics that, that I think all of us say we don't want to see in America. The lawmaker that was uh, claiming we shouldn't pass this because the people in my, congr- my legislative district don't under have a different meaning of the word intent. I, I, I get the point there. It, it, you both make good points, but it's uh, the whole definition of intent should be pretty universal. I think it was consent. Consent. Yes. Thank you. It's not intent. Consent. Yeah. You're right. And that thank was you. shocking. Consent. You're absolutely. <laughs> thank you for the correction. It's time to say something nice. Always a challenge around here. Patty. Easy one today. Uh, Denver Restaurant Week starts this today and runs for not a week, but 10 days. It started 15 years ago. How Denver's dining scene has grown is really impressive. And it's not just that there are more options and some of them way too expensive, but that local chefs have really come into their own. They are also the most generous people in this city with the amount of things restaurants do for charity. So go out, eat some things, and thank them. And here, here. tip your server. <laughs> tip them well. Krista. Kudos to Attorney General Phil Weiser for going after President Trump's what I think of as an unconstitutional emergency declaration to use military funding to build the wall. I think there's a great case for building uh, a better structure in certain parts of the border. He needs to, he being President Trump, needs to work with Congress, because that's how the Constitution works, to come up with funding for that. So kudos to the dozen states, including our own, and Phil Weiser for, for some pushback. Natasha. This is unusual, but I'm going to double up on that. Um, Kudos for giving a civics lessons to everyone about what the Attorney General's office does in the last two weeks. His name has been in, and Phil Weiser's name has been in so many headlines. Um, And I think anyone who watched that election knew that either of the two top contenders would probably have been pretty visible, but he has certainly made um, a statement in the last two weeks. Scott. Uh, I'm going to be a sappy dad this week, and I want to give a shout-out to Hannah Wasserman, who uh, comes by her math challenges very honestly and did extremely well on her math test this week, and I couldn't be prouder of her. You made a a strong friend with your daughter and an enemy with all the other dads who can't congratulate their daughters (laughs) on TV. So So good, good, good luck with that one, Scott. That is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. Thanks for tuning in. I want to remind you that you can watch Colorado Inside Out in many different ways beyond the broadcast. We have a podcast. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and CPT12.org. Be sure to check us out. For everybody here at CPT12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.